a lot of times when there's a breakdown between, you know, two people like the business owner and, and anyone on their team, a lot of it comes down to it's, they've triggered a pet peeve. Hey everyone, I'm Emily Reagan, and you've discovered Unicorns Unite. This is a podcast for freelancers, service providers, virtual assistants, and curious listeners who would like to experience the freedom and flexibility of working virtually. We're the magic makers, movers and shakers, and the real people doing the work behind the scenes of online businesses. Welcome to Unicorns Unite. Today, I have a recorded Facebook Live with my friend Kristen Westcott of Kristen Westcott Media. She is extremely organized. She is a business consultant, and she knows all about helping one-woman shows get their systems in order so they can hire, grow their team, and make more money. I really wanted to call this interview with her what to tell your hot mess, scatterbrain, visionary client to do so they're finally ready to hire you and get their act together. You know what I'm talking about. Tons of business owners come to me knowing they need to hire, but they're not sure what to do first so they're actually ready and so they have enough work for their new hire. So you, coming on as a brand new VA, you're going to gain so much insider information from Kristen, and this is a really, really good one. Whether you have digital media skills, digital marketing skills, social media, or you're an admin VA, you are going to learn a lot. Kristen, tell everyone hello and where you're from. Hello, everybody. So my name is Kristen, and I am from Niagara Falls, Ontario. So for those of you who don't know that, it's just north of your New York border there, um, Buffalo and Niagara Falls border there. And um, I have a business as a director of operations, which is more commonly known as an integrator, um, where I work in the back end of a couple of different businesses at that level, trying to keep everything organized, all the day-to-day to-dos and operations. Uh, And I also work one-on-one with clients doing strategic planning in their businesses. And I do all of this while I have a three and a five-year-old, two little girls uh, currently home with me, like everybody else. (laughs) I can relate to you so much because I also have a three and (laughs) five-year-old. Yeah. And so, yeah, right now it's uh, trying to make the best of what we can get and (laughs) still keeping the businesses running, not just mine, but everybody else's too. Yeah. So. Let's walk backward a little bit. Where, what's your background in? Like, how did you get into this world? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, there's a long story. So I'll try and give you the condensed version. But um, I have been doing like goal setting and time management and process planning at my local university since 2005. Like I've worked with the undergraduate student population there for quite some time, teaching them all of these things. And I, I love it. And I loved working with them and they had such great energy, but I'm built within the confines of a corporation, (laughs) a corporation that is run by government funding. And so a lot of that dictates what you are and aren't able to do in the level of support and what have you. And I got kind of frustrated with that. So when I was on maternity leave with my first child, so for those of you who don't know, in Canada, we get a, a 12 month maternity leave. That's so amazing. We pay a lot of taxes to to fund that. But because of that, we, we are able to have a 12-month maternity leave. So that is great. So while I was on that leave, I was trying to figure out what else, you know, is possible outside of the parameters of this corporate world. And I, I fell into 
health coaching. And it must have just been something I was Googling at the time that Google then started targeting me with ads. And I registered to become a health coach. I went through the training program. And then off the back end of that program, they had a life coaching program. And thank goodness for that, because I quickly figured out that health coaching was not my forte. Um, (laughs) Tell me why. (laughs) Well, let's just say that I subscribe to the philosophy of if they're going to eat it, just give it to them. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever they're going to eat, that's what we serve in our house. And so it's not necessarily keeping up with all of the proper healthy things to put into your body. And I'm not saying those are not great things to strive for. But where I was at in my life, I didn't feel like I could coach other people on these things. I wasn't implementing them in my own life. Right. How real you're being, because I have those aspirations and then my kids will eat cereal. You know, it's just how it is. It is. And some days it's just the way it's got to be, you know, like, okay, here you go. Spaghetti three days this week. Like, I don't know what else you're eating anything else. (laughs) So it was a struggle for me. Like I always want one of my core values is like honesty and integrity. And I was feeling very out of alignment with that when I was trying to health coach other people that I wasn't practicing in my own home. So I shifted into life coaching, working moms um, and how they could kind of manage working and being a mom and all of the things. And again, I really liked doing that. But what I found was all of the health coaches that I'd gone through the training with and I was in all these other Facebook groups with, they were coming to me saying like, I don't know how to put this together or how do I get my lead magnet to, to fire? And so there were all of these components that they were asking me for support with. And so I would go to work and I would do my nine to five thing and I would come home and I would be mom and the kids would eat the spaghetti and, you know, then the big bath and bedtime. And then in the evening, instead of marketing and coaching my own clients, I was spending all of my time helping these other coaches. How interesting. I know. So I had to sit with that and go, Hmm, like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I diverting my time into this? Am I afraid to coach and that? And I'm like, well, no, that's not it. Am I afraid to sell? Well, no, that's not it either. I just feel really drawn to this kind of support. Um, And so that's when I just thought I, you know, it took me about a month, probably six weeks of like journaling and thinking through these things to go, okay, well, obviously then this is, this is my skill set. This is my zone of genius. And so that's when I made the decision to kind of close down my life coaching practice and really focus on serving other business owners, other coaches, mainly at that point with how they could kind of build their business. Because when you go through health coaching school, they don't teach you the business side of things. And so people come out ready to serve and they're ready to work with clients and they have no idea how to do that in an online space. So I was just saying this inside my Facebook group for students, they were like, what's the difference between your crash course and somebody like... I don't know, the big wigs and their courses. I'm like, well, they aren't really teaching you the how to do it. And I love that you and I are very parallel right now because I also support business owners on the back end just at a different level. And I I feel like that's the biggest opportunity is all these people come out with these great ideas from Tribe and from you know James Wedmore's programs. And then they're they're just like they just need so much help. So what did you call yourself back then when you were freelancing in this area? I think more of a project manager, I think was the term that everyone seemed to understand. And so I would help them with that. I really struggled to give things a title. And I think because I was working with people who knew me, they never asked me for a title. They just came and said, can you help me with this? And then last spring, I formally took a program to become certified as a director of operations, um, where I learned to put all of the skill set that I had into a framework. 
Okay. So all of these things that I was doing, I learned just what to call them and how to kind of package them or navigate them. And so it was, it was phenomenal. And so now I have a certified, you know, a certification behind my name in the director of operations space, but. Uh, oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I love your story. I have like a good portion of the virtual assistants inside this group and in my course have that organizational project management talent and struggle with where to do it because there's so much more than an admin VA, you know, and you find your your niche and you already know how much the integrator is needed in this online world. Like you're somebody for everybody in this group who's interested to watch, watch Kristen, watch what she's doing because you could kind of mimic her in your business. I'm not saying like, you know, copy, but you know, this is a service that's needed. And Kristen is not, cannot serve every single business owner out there. And (laughs) this could be a place for you. This, I really just like to open up people's eyes to, you know, job opportunities that, that are out there online. Like you do not have to follow some formal, you know, degree and then nine to five office cubicle thing. So yeah, your, your talent is so needed. I find so many business owners who are struggling with that. It's not my thing per se. I I mean, I probably need to hire you for my own business. <laughs> it's like things I know I need to do, but then eventually we just run out of time and like the guidance and the focus. So yeah. And it's, it's harder in our own businesses too, right? Because my business always takes the back to my client's business. Yes. Always. And so I'm thinking, yeah, I need to hire an integrator for my business, but really I just need to increase my VA's hours because she can do a lot of these things yeah. and I'm just not giving her the freedom to do them yet. So it's a common, a common challenge as business owners, as we grow and scale and like learn what to take off and take the time to communicate it. So exactly. okay, I, I like, I want to keep going with this. So you have a great opportunity here to teach our VA's how to get their clients prepared to work for them. Is this like not reflective and kind of weird to say this? It's so weird when we're behind the scenes. Like, I, does everyone understand what's happening here? Kristen teaches the business owners to get their systems in order. And then they, from there, they hire you, right? You tell people to hire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's the first person people usually need to hire? A virtual assistant, like, and depending on their needs, some of them will want more of a social media mm-hmm. virtual assistant. That's what they want taken off their plate. But a lot of people, they need somebody taking the back and forth email, the scheduling of things, the you know podcast creation, the creation of systems off yeah. their plate, right? Because they don't sometimes even know what system needs to be created, but the person working in their business knows where the clarification is needed right? They know where there's a breakdown where they're like, okay, you just threw this task at me, but I have no idea how to do it. Yeah. They're the person that's like, okay, we need something around this. And they're usually the one that can kind of build it because they're implementing the process. So and you're talking about the VA, the new hire, the new hire. Yeah. Yeah. But the problem with that is the business owner expects the new hire to come pre-trained and ready to go. They right. don't always understand that there's a certain element of training and preparation that a virtual assistant can have yes. that's different for each business, right? Like they know what they're doing. They know how to work convert kit. They know how to run the email, they, right? But they don't know how you do it. Yes. And, and so that's, I think, where one of the biggest breakdowns is between people who bring on a team member, especially their first hire. And that team member is, there's some constant friction there because they're just expecting them just to be able to jump in and do it without an an onboarding process. 
and they get frustrated and their assistant gets frustrated because there's just a kind of breakdown of communication and expectations there. And so that's one thing I would say, like for everybody watching this is when you onboard, do you have that frank conversation about expectations, boundaries, and the lines of communication? Those are the three big things, no matter what role you're taking on, no matter what type of business you're going into. Those are the, like when you do your initial onboarding meeting or your kickoff call or whatever they want to call it, that you're setting those expectations of what it is that you can do and what it is that you're going to need them to give you information on. Like, we're not mind readers when we enter a business. We don't know exactly how they've been doing it. Even if we've kind of creeped them on, on social media, that doesn't tell us the process that it took to get there. Right. And I have worked with maybe 50 different clients and everybody has a different way to do things or a different expectation, or they want you to post on Facebook these exact times. Like this is what they do. And other ones are just kind of more hands off and even kind of figuring out what you're dealing with when you're new is hard enough. Like, does this business owner want me to just run with it? Or am I going to step on toes and piss people off? (laughs) Like I never really know what to do. Thankfully I've been, you know, working hard at this for a good seven years. Like I just kind of come in and you know, with my, <laughs> what am I trying to say? I just take charge, but it took a long time for me to get there and for me to work with different types of people to be able to see that. But mm-hmm. I need help in this area. So I am so glad you are coming into the group and teaching people this and giving giving them insight to what happens because this is probably like the number one stumbling block when somebody is new and they don't really know what to do next. Like they've learned the, the tactics and the skills in my course and then they have to figure out like the business owner's way. So why don't we, let's get to it. Like, let's go through those four things that the clients should do. Cause I think people should get your notes out because this is going to be really good. Yeah. So the first thing you want to have your client do, right? Your business owner do is have them identify where they're spending their time, right? That is the first thing. And people are like, oh, you're going to get some resistance. Some resistance from this business owner. But if you can articulate the importance of that to them as and framing it in a way of once they do that, then they will know exactly what tasks they want you to take over. And you will be able to be most beneficial and more efficient within their business once they know specifically the tasks that are eating up a lot of their time rather than guessing um, or them throwing things at you here and there randomly they will know exactly which kinds of tasks need to be done. And then you can start the process of transferring those tasks. So the first step is really for them to figure out where they're spending their time so that they can spend it with more intention. So you're going to get some resistance, but I'm going to suggest that you push back on this a little bit um, and framing it as like an investment now for the growth of your relationship and their business long-term. Yeah. And really coming from a place where there's going to be transformation, because if you're just taking little things off their plate, I've seen this a million times, then the client's like, why did I hire you? And, you know, and they're, even if you're keeping them on schedule, it's just not like big enough items for them to feel the value. And it like, that makes me mad. That's one of those things that makes me mad. So, (laughs) and I know Tyler, Tyler J. McCall, I just joined his fans to followers society. And one of the first things he teaches is like, 
watch your time on Instagram, see where you're spending it. And I've already skipped that step. <laughs> and it is because we don't want to know. <laughs> you know like, I already know my scroll like a horrible, you know, like a, like a stalker. But um, okay, so what do you find are some tasks that business owners um, have aha moments with in this area? Like what are some things they do need to get off their plate where they're spending the most time? So a lot of times they don't realize how much back and forth communication they have with a current client, an existing client. So they will focus their VA's attention on social media or outreach or things that are going to kind of try and bring in new clients, but they don't really focus on the current clients and how much back and forth time there is is being chewed up when those kinds of tasks could be given to an assistant. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And I asked that on purpose for everybody in this group to take notes and come to the table with suggestions and ideas, especially during your discovery call. So you could say, even if you haven't done this before, steal it from Kristen and say, I find that a lot of clients, you know, struggle in this area and spend a lot of time here. And you you don't have to say you haven't done it before. I'm not teaching you to lie. I'm teaching you to just say like, what's common in the industry and make them feel better about where they are in their business in that discovery call. Okay. Sorry. I'm going to like interject here and there. That's okay. That's okay. Okay, Um, A lot of times they're also, I mean, social media is a big one, right? They, and you'll see even seven figure business owners are still in their DMS on social media Mm -hmm. and they don't realize how much time they're taking to do that. And they don't want to give that up entirely because they still want to be connected to their people. They still want to know their audience. They still want to serve them. So it's worth navigating that conversation to talk to them about how much time that is taking up. And if there is a way that you can jointly manage that. So for example, my VA will go into my DMS and she will look at all of them. And a lot of them are just someone's posted or shared, you know, about me and their story or whatever. And she'll reply back to them. No problem. Thank you. Tagging them, whatever. But if there's a specific question that somebody has wanting to connect with me or, or reaching out for me, then she will she'll message me in Slack and say, you should pop into your DMs today because there is, you know, this particular person is asking you this question. And then I know to go in and I can engage with that person myself as me in my DMs, but I'm not having to do all of the ones that are mentioning me in their story or something like that where they've tagged me because she can go in. She knows enough about me and my business and what I do for my clients that she can go in and give a meaningful response or comment to something like that. I love that. And of course you taught her this as a business owner. So I love that too. And you don't, you want to get in and get out. Like, otherwise you get sucked in and next thing you know, you're liking cute cat photos. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of baby photos on my Instagram. All my friends are having babies. So (laughs) What's, what's the second thing a client should do or a business owner should do to get prepared to hire? So it's going to sound so generic, but they need to get organized and they need to get organized in the sense that they need to just even have some basic essentials or some basic systems in place. And the first one is their business email, right? So, you know, if they have G Suite, getting that set up, having some some tagging or some categories and often they won't have this done when you enter their business. So this is a great way for you to kind of show them your skill set really, really quickly, right? If you can hop in and organize their inbox and categorize and tag their emails and make it so much easier for them to navigate their own inbox, like instantly they're seeing, wow, this VA knows their stuff. Like they know how to get me organized and that's going to save me so much time. So I had a client, I hopped, when I first joined her team, 
she had 9,000 unread emails in her inbox, but I knew they weren't unread, but they were just all there. (laughs) Email inbox is making me have like a panic attack. (laughs) She's like, I hate my inbox. I spend as least amount of time in there as I can because I hate my inbox. I'm like, no problem. I will take care of that. If I have your permission to organize and categorize, I said, I will not delete anything without first talking to you, but I will archive things that I don't think that we need because you can archive, you can search for them and pull them back up. I said, but I will never delete without your permission. She said, okay, go for it. And like, once I got that inbox under control, like she was just so happy. And it was like, I mean, that took me a long time to do 9,000 emails, but if you like searches or you doing like, how did you do that so fast? Yeah, I did. It took me a couple of weeks. Like it wasn't something I did all in one because I obviously had other things I needed to be doing in her business that were going to help her generate revenue instead of just cleaning it her inbox. But I did I used this feature and you get to know what email lists they're on. And I would do the search feature and then I would either categorize them all or archive them all. Right. Like, no, I'm Amy Porterfield's email list and Stu McLaren. They go through their launches. <laughs> for those people? Or- yeah, I would tag them and then I would create a filter for them to go into a particular folder. Okay. Um, and then she could choose whether or not she wanted to read those emails or not, depending on the week, right? Yeah. So I want to be transparent with you. Do you have uh, 9,000 emails? No. Probably 2,000? Yeah. So get your VA to set up some filters in your inbox and some filters to have certain ones just go right into the folder because you don't need to read everybody's email newsletter every single week. But maybe there's a time that you're wanting to go and pull something from there for inspiration. Yes. Yes. I love looking at people's subject lines or when they do gifts or how they do Facebook ads. So I keep stuff. Yeah. And uh, okay. So what you don't need to see them right away. You can set up a filter in Gmail to filter anything coming in from that sender into a particular folder. I so, know I got to get this stuff in order as my business grows. Like I know it. Like I, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is good. <laughs> so then they also, along with that, you need to set up your calendar. And if there's like a color coding system or a way that you get people on your calendar or buffer time or anything like that, and then they need a filing system. <laughs> <laughs> and again, this is something as a VA, you can come in and quickly get in place for them. If they're using Dropbox or Google Drive, wherever they're dumping their stuff, you're going to go in and you're going to see literally they've probably just dumped it all into that drive. And if you can go in and organize that for them and have like something for personal stuff, something for business, and then the business one broken down into, you know, clients and finance and social media and their programs. Even if you just shift all those things into those folders initially, it makes a big difference. And then as you work in their business, you can start coming up with some naming conventions and reorganizing those things. But if you even just initially categorize them in like three or four different categories, it automatically is going to help your business owner start to get things a little bit more under control. So what do you do when you have business owners who are not so Google Drive savvy? So I have a, an Excel sheet, a Google sheet that lists out what's in each folder, like the main subfolders. So like I have, let's say courses and programs, and they've got three different courses and a membership site. So I will list under courses and programs, the three different programs in the membership site and the link to that folder. And then within that folder, there's like 
graphics and promo and copy and whatever else. But usually once they link them to the main part, they can find what they're looking for. So you kind of almost have like a file index, like a table of contents where if you click on it, that folder will open up so the owner can find it. And I create that through a Google Sheet and that is on their home page of their business once along with the folders. It's like, I call it a Google Drive roadmap. Oh, I love that. Click on that. And then just look for whatever it is they're wanting. And that folder is also in their project management system. So we have a, an important links, which I'll talk about in a moment, like okay. an important links one in the project management system when the, the link to the Google Drive roadmap is in there. So they can click on that and then link from there. And bind things really quick. That's smart. We, we actually do have my Google Drive somewhat organized. And I find that I do this a lot for my clients. But then I also find it helps us when it comes to working the system, like let me just paint a picture here. I have a client with a podcast. So we have a podcast folder. We have the final episode folder. I mean, you know when things get added to the folder and when it's your turn to do the work or when it's my turn to write the show notes or when it's the editor's turn to do the editing. And so that is all in Google Drive. Yeah. And we had to set that up. Otherwise, it was just like all going to be mashed up in there and we're confused, like who's done, who who's ready. And where is this when the episode needs to go live? <laughs> yeah. So every time I copy my show notes and I move it to the next episode folder and uh, I also name it like whether it's ready or not ready, like draft or, you know, yeah. final or final, final, final. <laughs> so, okay. That's awesome. I love these hints. This is just so practical and makes and everybody look smart. I, and I think, yeah, when you come into somebody's business, if you can just get their, like their email, their calendar and their, their Google drive or Dropbox, like organized for them, they're immediately going to see a return on the, their time investment, right? If you're having them track their time and they're starting to see that they're no longer spending 10 minutes looking for something in Dropbox because they now can just go click, click, click. You're already showing them immediately a return on their investment. And it's such a simple thing for you to do as any kind of an assistant coming into their business, whether you're specialized in social media, you know, if you're a general VA customer service support, like whatever your role is in their company, yeah. you can very quickly demonstrate your value in something so simple as that. Yes. And remember, we've talked about different kinds of VAs here in this group. And those time-saving tasks are critical because of that 80-20 rule. Just like Kristen said, you get to free up their time and then they can do the money-making things and the front stage thing. So don't undervalue that. And please you know, keep your business owner in the loop what you're doing if it is time-saving. It's not always the sexiest thing, but it is so important behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and I'd love- like to add to that. I think when I mentioned like communication up front, when you talk about your, your expectations, your boundaries and your communication, one thing that I recommend assistants do is generally you're going to have to account for your time, right? You're going to have to bill your time, how many hours, whatever. But I like to, instead you send them that they're never going to read the full breakdown. Their integrator might, but the business owner isn't. What I like to send is just a short, like monthly summary letting them know some of the big things that you did in their business that month and like the benefit or the outcome that you're seeing from that, you know? And so if at the end of your first month, you can show them that you were able to organize their email inbox and, you know, now they can spend less time searching for their, the important client email and you were able to organize their calendar management system. Like, so these are things that you can have a monthly kind of brief go to them that doesn't, account for how many hours you did, but more frames it in terms of the value to that business. Yeah, which is totally marketing 101. 
show the value. People don't want to get lost in the details of how many new folders you added, but they want to know what that benefit is. So good. Okay. What else do you have for us? Um, So then you also need to have some kind of a project management system set up in the business. And depending on where your business owner is at, some of them will have one that they're not utilizing very well and others won't have one at all. So you're going to find you're going to be hopping into businesses that are either they have one and it's not great or they don't have one at all. And you're going to have to set it up from scratch. And, you know, again, it's personal preference on interface for whether like you like Asana or ClickUp or Teamwork or whatever else. But Teamwork, I say really only benefits people who have a large team. So if you're their first team member, it's probably not the best one to go to because you have to pay. That's one where the free interface doesn't really give you a lot. You, If you really want to get the, the benefits of that project management system, you have to pay. Okay. That will further down the road for a lot of our clients. Yeah. And most of this teamwork will pull data from all the other project management systems they have it set up that they'll pull from Asana or Trello or anything else. So that when you do grow, all of your stuff that you're building out now, you can transfer over into that system. Okay. I like Asana for starting for businesses. Um, it's a very simple interface, whereas ClickUp is fantastic. They have a lot of stuff, but if you're dealing with a business owner that is not organized, that doesn't have a project management system or isn't using it well, offering all those extra layers of options actually overwhelms them rather than helps them. So I find ClickUp is better for project managers who are project managing other virtual assistants or other people who are used to working in a project management system. Okay. But not so great for project managing a business owner that's more of a creative visionary type person. And so for that reason, Asana is my preference because you can toggle between calendar view, board view, and list view in Asana. And so they can organize it in whatever way works best for them. And it is very simple. Your, your CEO can go in and just click my tasks and they don't have to see all of the other things that you've got in there. They can just know what they need to do, which can get them actually using the project management system because there's nothing worse than setting it up. And then you aren't using it because it's gotten out of control or it's not been helpful or what have you. So um, they can go in and click my tasks and then kind of follow that. So Hey, this podcast is sponsored by my very own GIF and sticker making workshop. Turn your clients' videos into GIFs, design branded stickers for Instagram stories, and master the art of making your own GIF for promo emails. This is fun unicorn magic that we can do behind the scenes easily for our clients. The workshop is one hour, just $17.99. The link is in the show notes or go to emilyreaganpr.com slash GIF workshop. That's G-I-F workshop. Back to the show. I have the hardest time like steering my team or um, other contractors to use. I like Asana. I use Asana too, but I want them to stop messaging me. I want them to stop emailing me. I just want them to put it there. I want to be able to log in and see everything there and not be, you know, going down these rabbit holes because I had to log into Facebook to get a message. So um, putting my business owners on there has always been a challenge, but we always need a running to-do list for them. There's always something I need from them to do my job. So it's worth the pain to train them to do that and just be patient with them. You can send them a Loom video and show them how to do it. Just, just keep them where they need to be and they don't need to know anymore. I also have a client who wants to check on me and my team. And I just said, like, I'm not giving... <laughs> Maybe I sound awful. I'm like, I'm not giving you daily reports. You go to Asana, you look at what's in progress, and you will know what we're working on. It's all there. 
Yeah. And it gives me time because I don't want to waste billable time doing like admin stuff like that. Yeah. Well, and that's another way to phrase it too. You'd be like, if you really want this particular thing, like you, this is the communication you need to feel confident in our team, know that that's billable time. So we are happy to do it, but it does count towards our hours. And so that's your decision. If you want to pay me to give you a daily update. And then right? Yeah. And, and I think if that's what they need in communication, right? When we, when we go back to the beginning, we talk about boundaries and communication and expectations. If that's really what they need, if they are a business owner that cannot let go of control, you might need that to keep your relationship good. But let them know that that's your yeah. bill for that time. That's not a freebie. It's not a, a just a just to keep you happy kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's my time. And I, I just, I sound like a prima donna. I just don't like to do that right now because I have very limited time. But if, if a client needs that, especially early on in our relationship, oh, I'll go, I'll do it for sure. So what I like to do, I like to get them out of all of the DMs, all of the whatever. I don't love email because it can kind of get lost in their inbox more than mine, but definitely in their inbox. <laughs> but I like to use Slack. And so I use Slack in conjunction with Asana. And that's where they can ask me all of their questions and whatever else. And then I'll go and put it into Asana if it needs be, or I'll go and update the project in Asana. But that's where they tend to ask for the check-in or we'll have, I have a team check-in channel in Slack that we just kind of post for the week, what everyone's working on. Yes, I love that. And then they can know what the team's working on rather than doing daily check-ins. I just, you know, at the beginning of the week, everyone checks in with what they've got on the go for the week. Um, and I frame it as an integrator, I frame it as a way to be supportive of the entire team, because if somebody is swamped with work, like it's a really big project week for them, then we know not to throw additional tasks at them. But we also know if there's somebody else that can support them with that, we can work together as a team, right? So many, many virtual assistants have the capability to do graphics and have the capability to do some stuff in, um, you know, MailChimp or ConvertKit, but that's technically somebody else's task on the team. But if that person has like a list of 20 things they need to get done that week, then we know somebody else from the team can jump in and support them in an area that they have a strong skill set. Oh, that's awesome. And clients, you guys, clients love those weekly check-ins. And if you can encourage them to be the CEO, to set the priority, to do that, it will just, it'll be so much better for your team and your organization and just culture is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So good. These are such great tips and yet they're they're so hard when you're new and you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. so thank you so much do you have you have a, another one well it's just in in terms of trying to convince them to start giving you those processes right so and if you're jumping into a business that doesn't have any standard operating procedures when you come in and like I said they're just expecting you to just post this blog to my drive right and you're like okay well what are the tags and what are the categories and what day do you like it to go live? And right, all of those things, they're not thinking that they need to give you that information. Do they want to approve it? Do they care what the feature image is and no. all these you expect for the metadata? Like, are they just pulling yeah. from the first paragraph or do you want it like customized? Right? Yeah. They don't think about any of those things because they've just been doing it so long for them. It's just, and yeah. they're not thinking about that. And so encouraging them to, to really start getting some of these processes in place. And some of the top processes they're going to want to get in place are their, their client onboarding. So if they can walk you through their client onboarding and like you can get them to just do this via Loom, 
right? Or several different Loom videos because client onboarding isn't done in one setting. But, you know, if as they're doing it, they literally just have to click the Chrome extension and do nothing else except what they would normally do. And then you as the VA can take that Loom video and turn it into a process that makes sense for you in the way that you operate. And then you've got a written process because a lot of times VAs will end up being up-leveled within that company. So yeah, you might join as their general administrative customer service do it all VA. I think Wedmore teaches that it's like the mailroom support. Yeah, you're on very low level. Yeah, so eventually you're going to be up leveled and you're going to be training somebody to take over your roles. And so if you have them documented out, then when you have to bring that person on to support you, it's a lot easier a transition. So even though you know what you're doing once they've trained you, you're going to want to document that so that you eventually, when you get up-leveled, will make it easier on you. So client onboarding, customer service, expectations, right? Like what's, do we have canned email responses? What are our frequently asked questions? What are our policies around, you know, refunds or conversations with the CEO? Like who gets on their calendar and who doesn't get on their calendar? And, um, you know, so processes around that. Content creation is a big one. Um, A lot of times they don't think about their blog management, podcast management, whatever that looks like. And so getting a system in down place for that. Social media management, especially since many, many CEOs want to spread themselves very thin on several different platforms (laughs) rather than going all in on one or two. What does that look like in terms of when content goes out on each of those platforms? Is it the same content? Are you rotating content? So really kind of get a process in place for the social media. Because again, like you said, Emily, they will just say, I want you to post daily on Facebook for me. Yeah. Okay. Like what time, where's this content coming from? What's our call to action? What are we driving towards? And so there's a lot of gaps in those questions. And as the VA, if you know to ask those questions, they're going to be really impressed that you even know what questions to ask to get that process in place. And don't do it in a way where it doesn't act like you, how do I say this? where you're not just trying to get spoon fed answers. You're just really trying to understand what they've done in the past, what they've learned. You're just trying to get the shortcuts. You're not, it's not like you're trying to get out of doing the work and you're just going to copy exactly what they're doing, but don't be afraid to ask those questions because they do make you look smart if if you're doing it in the right way. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. I'm currently working with a team to plan a social media content and we're right at that point right now where we're like, okay, what are the categories? What's the schedule? And I just was explaining to the girl on our team. I'm like, we just need a little bit of order from this chaos, a little bit of predictability. Like Mondays are, um, I don't know if we were in fitness motivation, Monday, transformation Tuesday, just kind of like a theme to help us get going. And also know what I've already been doing like they do like a flower Friday. I'm not joking. <laughs> so, it's like, you know, kind of like incorporating what they're doing and just having a schedule. It makes all the difference with social media. Yeah. I want to stop right there. I want to go back for a hot second. A question for me. We'll talk about documenting systems. What does that physically look like? Are you talking about just a Google Doc? you know, um, index like you did with a Google sheet, like this is how we do this link here, Google doc directions. Is that what it is? Is it that? Yeah. So there's two parts to that system. And for me, it looks like a Google sheet, like an Excel sheet and a Google doc. Some people use Airtable, and that's great too. It's whatever tool you're most comfortable with. I just stick with G suite. So we have an index, a a master table of contents, like you would in any kind of encyclopedia, right? And you've got your table of contents of all your operating procedures. 
And depending on how big the business is and how many processes you have, you can categorize those by like marketing and administrative and client processes or team growth, right? Or maybe buy a specific course. If they run a specific course, then you might have certain processes around the course. So as the number of processes you have grows, you will probably want to categorize your list. But you can start with just the sheet of the name of the process, the date it was created, the date it was updated, and the link to it. Yeah. And that link can have the Loom video in there. Exactly. Yep. Or what I will often do is I will link to a Google Doc which then has like a formalized standard operating procedure template, like what it's for, when we use it, why it's important, whose responsibility it is to carry out this process. Yes. Um, And then the steps of the entire process. And this is where you can put the Loom video in there as part of the steps, or you can grab screenshots from that Loom video to pop into there. And then at the very bottom of it, it says the date it was last updated and who last updated it. So that that. we know if this is a stale process that we might need to revisit and build into things as they change the next quarter. The other thing I wanted to say, when you're doing that initial interview with the person, you're talking about the expectations um, and the boundaries and communication, you also want to find out what their pet peeves are. And I know it sounds so silly, but a lot of times when there's a breakdown between, you know, two people like the business owner and, and anyone on their team, a lot of it comes down to it's they've triggered a pet peeve really. And that's kind of just set the relationship down the wrong path. So if you can find out from your business owner, whoever you're working for, like what are their real big pet peeves? Like what drives them crazy and make a note of that so that you can make sure not to trigger that. It's going to make your relationship so much better because I've worked with people where everyone makes mistakes and everybody knows that everyone makes mistakes. But if you've been somebody who hasn't ticked them off in any other way, like you don't do something that drives them crazy, they're going to be very forgiving of those mistakes. But if you do something that just kind of triggers a nerve for them, and that's a pet peeve, and then you make a mistake, they're going to react very differently. And they're going to get like overly frustrated or what have you with you because not because of the mistake, but because of that relationship (laughs) and and if there's that pet peeve that's been triggered. So it sounds so silly, but I like to make that like a part of my opening conversation and it relaxes the conversation when you have that opening conversation. Like, okay, just, I just want to know what are there any pet peeves, anything I should be careful of so that I don't drive you crazy. And a Um, lot of people are come to me, business owners, and they've been burned somehow in the past. And you just want to steer clear of whatever baggage they're bringing and know what didn't work. I mean, I include a very similar question in my client uh, discovery call sheet, but the pet peeve is a really good word. I went to the copywriting uh, conference right before all this coronavirus stuff, and they said it in a funny way for marketing purposes, like what breaks your heart, like what makes you passionate. And it's kind of very similar to that. Uh, it, It made sense in my head before I started saying that, but just knowing where people are coming from and what makes them angry yeah. gives you content and motivation. <laughs> yeah. And it's simple. So tell me, what is, what is your pet peeve? My pet peeve is if somebody comes back to me and asks me a question that can very easily be found in the project management system. Because you've got it organized. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if they've checked there and it's not there, by all means, ask me the question. But I, it drives me crazy when it's like everything's in there, detailed tasks have been assigned. And then somebody will message me in Slack and say, 
what are we doing with this? Or when is this supposed to be submitted or whatever? It's like, <laughs> what's the problem? Deadline, who it's assigned to, when it's due, description of what's needed. Yes. What else do you need from me? <laughs> That's my pet peeve. But it doesn't happen a lot because when I onboard people, I say, like, it's very important to me. Two things are very important to me. One, open lines of communication, like always. And if you're not going to hit a deadline, I'd rather you tell me than yes. wait till the deadlines hit. And then I'm messaging you going, where's this stuff? Like, exactly right now, like kids home, lots of stuff happening. Wi-Fi is going down. Like computers are breaking. Like mine did a couple weeks Zero, ago. They're driving down the neighborhood on their own with no parents. <laughs> we my kids are mad because I still have the the door handles on our front door oh like, we've removed them off everywhere else but we have the baby door handles on the front door and my five-year-old's like why can't I leave the house I'm like because you're five and your sister's three and I don't want you guys wandering out the front of our house without an adult you so okay I wanted to tell you a story okay and I need to be careful how I do this I was on a big team. They brought in somebody to be project manager and they did not handle it well at all. Suddenly I had somebody and all the contractors felt like this. Somebody, someone was like, tell me exactly how you do everything. Like they were so not cool about it. It made me fear for my job. Right. Come from a place of help. Like I love to help my clients like learn things on their own. I will gladly spend 30 minutes teaching a business owner how to change a button in the Divi theme. Like, I don't mind, but the way they did it was scary. Okay. So what yeah. like advice for that? Cause I, I know they didn't mean it like that, but I feel like there should have been an onboarding project manager process that did not happen. And yeah. she's going to apologize for it. Just yeah. So that's part of the problem. Then when you bring in a project manager or integrator, somebody who's going to be overseeing other team members that have already been on your team and with you, there does need to be that onboarding process that usually starts with a team kickoff call, bring okay. everybody onto the team, introduce the new project manager, the project manager gets to kind of tell them everybody a little bit about themselves and their background. And then everybody on the team gets to go around and talk about what it is they do for the team and right? Really kind of start to build that rapport. Then the next step, the project manager should have in, not interviewed, but asked to meet with each of the team members separately to have more of a one-on-one -on -one conversation and understanding about their role in the business, their strengths, their skill sets. Is there anything that they would love to be doing more of that isn't being assigned to them? Is there anything that they're currently doing that they don't love doing and they kind of wish would be reassigned to somebody else, right? Like the project manager should come on and really kind of take an assessment of the skill of the team. Because a lot of times there's hidden hidden skills there that aren't being utilized. And as a project manager, you want to be able to know that. Because like I said before, if somebody's, you know, got a huge long list of tasks and you know somebody else has this skill set and actually likes it and has told you in, a, in an interview that they would like to do more of it, yeah. you don't feel guilty saying, hey, Amanda, will you, you know, help Sophie kind of complete these three tasks this week because she's really kind of overloaded. And that really kind of, again, brings that team cohesion where nobody's fearing for loss of their job because they're really able to demonstrate their value to the team. From the flip side, I want to say that a lot of project managers are very type A very detail oriented, um, come a lot of times from a corporate background. And so they're, they're very kind of corporate in their approach and they don't mean to be, but that's kind of like, 
how their brain is wired and how they've been trained in project management is to like, just get me what I need. Like, I don't want to know about you. I don't want to know your story. Just like, tell me what I need and how it gets done. You don't want to hear about my cat and his cone. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so that's why the team meeting needs to happen so that you can see that people are human and that this is a team and that it's not just a name on your project management software that, you know, Emily's got a, a daughter who's cutting her hair and running away and, you know, like there's stuff going on there, you know, and it also makes the work environment more fun. So the other yeah. thing though, is when somebody asks you to document your process, it's not because they're planning for you to be gone. <laughs> it's because they're realizing that nothing is documented and God forbid you got sick yeah. or a baby had a baby or whatever. They need to want to be like, oh my goodness, we have, we have no idea how to do this. Like it's more for like a backup plan, not a, like we're preparing to say goodbye. It's more of a, like, we don't want to lose you, but we need to know what you do just in case something happens to you that we can't plan for. Then at least we have a process that somebody else can fumble their way through. Yeah. And that's what they need to say. And it does, I think it needs to come from the business owner. I think they need to kind of set the set the table for what's happening or set the stage or whatever. But yeah, I do want to be able to go to Hawaii and take a week off and have somebody do my job. Just and not have somebody that. texting you going, Emily, how do I do this? Where does this go? Like, yeah. Where, <laughs> yeah. Your link dropped out of your Facebook post. Like go back and add it in the middle of this wedding. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, I, I, I wish I had known that. I mean, I kind of knew it, but obviously there's some other stuff happening, but I knew that, the team needed to be cleaned up and I knew I didn't want to be the one to do it. And the processes that we added, it just made everything so much easier. It got clear, like how we could condense jobs like, or not condense, but like take people out of the process who didn't need to be in the process. Yeah. It became way more efficient. It was well worth it, but like the, just the interpersonal skills were lacking <laughs> a little bit. And I think that's important. So if you are guiding your business owner to do this or become this person, think about that. Just think about that with a kickoff call meeting, like Kristen said. Yeah. And the other thing, I mean, for any position is you want an onboarding plan ahead of time, like ideally, but you know, if you're the one doing this in the business, you're not going to have had that benefit of the onboarding plan. But along with that expectations, like what do you want them to be able to do 30 days, 60 days and 90 days into that role? Yes. Because this can, again, help temper the expectations of you taking over everything within a week, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. what, what needs to happen in this? And then at the end of 90 days, you have a meeting and say, okay, like, this is what we planned. This is what I did. Yeah. I would love to know from your perspective how things are going. Where else can I support you? I noticed from your time tracker that there's this, that, and the other thing. Would you like me to work on this? So it really kind of gives everybody on the team the chance to kind of do a good job at their job. You're setting them up for success rather than setting them up for overwhelm because, you know, so same thing, your project manager, when they came in, they should have had a 30, 60, 90 day onboarding process where they were able to learn the team and learn these things and then dive into some of the processes before having to make the changes. Yeah. That, that wasn't like so planned out. It was just kind of something that happened. But I have seen this on other teams too. As people get added, there can be drama and people get threatened. And I and I really learned that it comes from the business owner owning it and being a part of that process and explaining what's happening. They can't just be so hands off. So okay, tell everyone about your freebie that you have, because I think this is 
really, really good and will help a lot of us set those goals for our clients who have big dreams and they want it all done right away. Yes. yes. So <laughs> I've, I've put together what's called like a roadmap to business growth. And what it does is it helps you or your your business owner, whoever it is. I mean, I think this is great for everybody who's starting up a virtual assistant business to also do this for themselves because you guys have goals and ideas and plans for how you want to grow your business and what you want it to look like. So I highly think it's an exercise for you, but also for your business owner to really look at like, what is their bigger vision for that three or five years out? Some CEOs like to plan 10 years out, but you know, three to five years is typically good in the online space where it's changing every day. Yeah. And then look at the fact that that is actually a three to five year goal. What can be done in 12 to 18 months? Like, let's have a look at that. We are not building a six figure empire off a $47 course, you know, in six months. (laughs) Look at what our goals are and really kind of back that up. And then it takes you backwards from that. Okay. If you have a 12 to 18 month goal, what needs to be done then? What are your milestones? Three months, six months, nine months out. And then starts breaking that first milestone down into each month. So if if it's done by quarter, then that first milestone you're going to want to hit within three months. What do you need to do each month? And then you can break that down into tasks. Um, And I think it's like a 15-page guide that literally walks you through all of these steps for for each goal. And so that's why I say is they shouldn't have more than one or two big goals for the year because all of these little things are going to become their own project or their own piece or component to help them hit that goal. So having them go through that process and then actually see all the steps that it takes to hit that goal will help them to really see a, that it's not going to happen in a month. So B where they can utilize your skill set because once they see all of those things that need to happen for that one thing to kind of get out there to move them towards that milestone, then they're going to start to say, Oh yeah, this actually is a three month project and not a three week project. Like I was originally thinking. Oh my gosh, that's so good for managing their expectations. And oh, and I see this a lot. They think they're going to hire a VA who's just going to magically improve their business and they're just going to start making gobs of money. And this is going to break it down into the baby steps that need to be taken daily, you know, weekly, right? Like, I'm convinced I want to hire you for myself <laughs> right now. How many? Tell me, give, I, I might need to have you back. I know we're hitting on an hour now, but. Real quick, can you tell me how many clients you have and like what your freelance business looks like right now? Yeah. So as an integrator or director of operations, you are literally running the whole back end of their business and managing their team and all their projects and everything else. And so my mentor suggested not to take more than four clients. And so in January, I had four clients. I'm at two now. I had to offboard two of them because it was just too much too much time in their business. So my sweet spot is two integrator clients. And then I work doing one-off strategic planning with people um, to kind of also work with that. So that's where I get to serve the people that aren't ready for an integrator, right? Because to have an integrator in your business requires you to have a substantial cash flow. Your business needs to be built up. You have to have a couple of members on your team already, or your integrator can't do anything for you. So the businesses that are not quite there. They're not quite ready for the integrator. They need more cash flow. They need more growth. I work with them doing VIP days and strategic planning so that we can get them to hit that mark where they'll need to bring in an integrator. Okay. So if somebody wanted to grow up to be you, yes. what's your advice? Um, I would say to, to try and up level within the company that you're in. 
that is the the best way to do that is to demonstrate and up-level your skills. You can also get the business owner to invest in courses for you as part of your professional development on their team. So if you've been in that role, they might then send you for a project management course or a customer service course or something like that. So you can grow within that team. Um, and then eventually you're going to either want to take a cert- a course on either being an OBM or a director of operations. Like I said, there's a lot of overlap in the online space in terms of titles and what gets done. But I would say your best bet is to try and up level with the clients that you have and grow with them. Um, gain the skills, the experience, the knowledge, because if you're, like I said, I, my sweet spot is two clients. So if you're a VA for two clients and you can up level in both of their businesses and grow with them, then you don't have to worry about going out and finding new clients and marketing yourself on an ongoing basis. You're still always going to want to have a presence in an ongoing basis because you never know when that client's going to shift their business. Yes. But if you can, if you've got a great relationship with the person that you're working with, then keep that door open and and everything open for that to, to expand and and grow with them as their business grows. So did you take an OBM course? I didn't. I jumped right to the director of operations course. Because you already had this project management experience. Is that, what is your degree in? I did sociology. So I I love when our degrees mean nothing with what we're doing now, because it just shows you, you don't, you don't have. But I mean, it was the work that I did, like my experience in corporate that I learned and built that skill set, right? So So I'm trying to, um, you know, my crash course teaches people a lot of the digital marketing and the tactics and some of the formulas that go on behind the scenes. Do you think that is necessary for an OBM to know? Like how much of online business do they need to know? I think the... If you don't, even if you don't know how to do it, you have to have an understanding of the strategy behind it because you're, you can't, you can't advise a business owner on how to bring clients in, on how to grow their revenue, on how to create a better onboarding process. If you don't know the theory and the concepts behind all of that, that doesn't mean like I, I cannot run Infusionsoft. Like, thank God for the VAs who can because I get into the back end of that system and I am, but I understand what needs to go into that system, what needs to be tagged in that system, yes. right? what needs to happen for the people to get that email. I just can't actually go in and do it, which is why That's I need to You should be at the management level. So I actually up-leveled within my own big client's business by learning entreport because it just was such a doozy and she just needed more help. And I was always willing to say yes and learn more. So not only could I do digital marketing stuff, I wasn't like the sole person responsible for it, but that helped increase and get more hours and improve my situation where they did want to hire me full time. But um, that's the, the gateway is learning some of those digital media skills. So thank, thank you for that little plug. I just wanted to show that this my crash course can be beneficial for the organized type A integrators because you do need to know what people are doing in the background because you're going to be in charge of those people. Yeah. And also when they're submitting their invoice to you and they're telling you it took them, you know, three hours to do this one task, you're going to have an understanding of why it took three hours to do that task when you understand all of the stuff that goes into the back end of that system. Yeah. And you have to be like, it took a minute. Set up an email campaign. Like, come on. It's like, yeah, yeah, it did. Because this tag had to be set and this drip had to be set and it had to loop into this automation. And and when you know that, then you can manage your team better because Again, also when you're assigning them projects, <laughs> you're not giving them all of these projects and saying you got five hours to do that this week. And they're like, 
this yeah. is like 15 hours of work, lady. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so good. And yeah, because you don't know. I mean, even clients are like, it took you how many hours to do what? I'm like, you don't even know. You don't know all that goes into a blog. It's not just like copy paste. Like no. there's all this stuff that you have to do on the back end and Anyway, so this has been so good. I definitely, I want to have you back sometime just talking more about your um, OBM experience. I think that you are so valuable and knowledgeable. And if anyone wants to connect with Kristen, I'll throw up her social media handles later. It wasn't letting me tag earlier, but find her and follow her and learn from her. She has, she knows so much good stuff. And you hired one of our, our students. Lisa, Lisa's my VA. Yep. So that's really cool. So if you guys have questions for Lisa too about any of this, reach out to her. I'm trying to just have a community where we can network and talk to each other and, you know, find out what we want to do and subcontract what we don't and just figure it all out together. So thank you so much, Kristen. You're welcome. All right. I'll have to come back. Just let me know anytime you have some more questions for me. I'm, I'm happy to hop back in with you. I totally do because this is something that I... I don't teach. I mean, I, I teach that it's there and that it's needed and integrators are um, outnumbered four to one if you read Rocket Fuel. But yeah. I isn't like that much of a passion as it is for me to do the copywriting and the techie stuff. So um, we complement each other so well. So I'm so glad we did this. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Okay. I'll see you online. All right. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Isn't Kristen amazing? She is able to help so many business owners behind the scenes get their ducks in a row. And you just knowing this insider knowledge is going to help you win big in your next discovery call. When you get on the call and your client's having any kind of doubt, give them these four things they should be doing and it's going to help you get hired. You're going to look smart and I know that you can help guide them through the process. And her tricks on the email solid gold. Just an update for you. My inbox is down to 1000 emails. That's just my business one. All right. I'll see you next week where we are going to talk about ghosting. Ooh. See you next time. Thanks for joining me. If you're ready to learn the digital marketing and social media skills that will get you hired online, head over to vacrashcourse.com where you can learn about my five-week program, the Digital Media VA Crash Course. Small business owners and solopreneurs want to hire someone who gets it and who can help them implement just about everything. They're looking for a magical assistant who does it all. With my comprehensive training, you can get your foot in the door and become a unicorn. Check out vacrashcourse.com. Here comes my three-year-old. Okay. Fisher. Can you um, say Fisher? What? Fisher. I'm sorry. Fisher. I'm in the middle of a Facebook Live here. Can you go? I'll be or almost done. Fisher. For sure. For sure? What? Fisher. You did it. Oh, do I need to say for sure? Are you allowed to talk again? Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm like, fresh air, fresher, for sure. I don't know. I think somebody jinxed them, and I had to say for sure to unjinx them.